You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. All right, so let's get into the Word of God. We are in the book of Philippians. Philippians 1, 7 through 11 is our text today. And if you've not been with us, we've been uh, just a few weeks in this new letter to the Philippians, and uh, it's been awesome. So let me go ahead and read Philippians 1. Uh, We're going to just read actually 1 through 11. Uh, We're in 7 through 11, but for context's sake, uh, we'll just read the introductory of the letter. So Philippians 1, 1 through 11 says this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse seven, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you that you've given us your word that's God-breathed and God-inspired. And we take it as complete truth. And we know that the flower, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And God, we can stand upon your word as truth. We can trust the foundation of our lives into it. And as today, as we read it, we pray that we would receive it as your word to our church. And so God, would you help us to become more like you, Jesus? We love you. Give you this time. Anoint our time. I want to be your mouthpiece, Father. Speak through me. Jesus' name, amen. So we're into this new letter right? The book of Philippians. It's the letter to the church at Philippi, and it's been so good. And I hope and I pray that it's been that good for you, like rich and deep already in our few weeks. I know it's been already really formative and ministering to me, and I pray that it has already. Uh, It's been two weeks, and we've gone through six verses. So on average, three verses a week, going really slow. We're getting kind of crazy today. We're doing four verses. So... Saddle up. We're getting crazy. Uh, But here is what's happening. For those of you guys that don't know anything about this letter, haven't been with us the last few weeks, or just as a way of reminder, Paul, the Apostle Paul, in one of his famous missionary journeys some 10 years prior to this letter being written, was led by God to start the very first Jesus-following church in Europe, in the city of Philippi. 
And it was this incredible, amazing encounter in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas, they go and they encounter this influential woman named Lydia. And she gets saved. And Paul and Silas get thrown in prison, and then God miraculously breaks them out. But then Lydia and just a small remnant of believers start this community in Lydia's home. And it's this real intimate gathering. It's this powerful, transforming work of God happening in the city of Philippi, this small little church plant in Lydia's house. And this church has now grown, and it's continuing to grow, and, and Paul has, has stayed in communion with them, in community with them, in conversation with them, and Paul absolutely loves them. Like, he loves them so much. There's a strong tie to them. There's a special place in his heart for them, and the church in Philippi is absolutely his ohana. It's, it's his family. These are his people, and he loves and cares for them deeply. And throughout the letter, we'll see this, and we'll learn of it even today. But that happened in Acts chapter 16. The first church in Europe was established in Philippi. Fast forward 10 years from then, and Paul now is finding himself arrested for doing what he's been doing the whole time. He's been going, and he's been preaching the gospel. And people are getting saved, and God's radically using him, and he's a church planter. This is the Apostle Paul. What he does is he plants new churches. He raises up leadership. As once they're good, even if they feel like they're not good, he keeps going. He's radical, and he's been going on these missionary journeys. And finally, he's in Jerusalem, and he gets arrested for going for it, preaching the gospel. And he's now brought from Jerusalem all the way to Rome, and he's in prison. He's in prison for preaching Jesus for doing all that he's been doing. And he's penning this letter to the church in Philippi. I would say to his favorite group of people. If he has favorites, this is his favorite church in the city of Philippi. This church has been growing, it's lasted, and Paul opens up this letter with a deep sense of gratitude for them. Right, it even says in the first few verses that every time I think about you, I thank God for you. That's not always true of people, right? When we think of people, we don't always thank God for them. We think about a lot of other things. But Paul says to this group of people in Philippi, every single time that I think of you, I, I genuinely thank God for you. And if there's anything that we can learn from this relationship between Paul and the Philippians, this unique relationship, is the bond and the care they have for one another. And we'll see that in a little bit. But we'll see that this church has been a faithful, consistent source of support over the last decade for Paul. And if you know anything about Paul, he is crazy, I mean, the adventures that he's had with Jesus, no one can compare to. I mean, the stuff that he's gone through, the people that he's offended. I mean, nobody likes Paul. Nobody does. And Paul is like this nonstop, can't wait, going for it, unstoppable force, running everywhere. Don't hear from him for a little bit. Just crazy guy. But God is using him so mightily. But through all of that, the church in Philippi has been right there, supporting him, cheering him on, financially supporting him, giving him rest, giving him encouragement. Like they are, they're, they're for Paul. When many others, if not almost everyone else has left Paul's side, the church in Philippi has not. 
they have remained. And in verse 5 last week, it says that Paul says that they've been partners with him in the gospel, meaning they've been yoked with him. They're unified with him of one mind and one accord when it comes to seeing the gospel go forth in the world. They haven't, let, they haven't lost the sense of how they got started, right? They got started by this radical move of God in their city, and they've continued to be of that one heart and one mind with Paul in the pursuit of the gospel. And this letter is written out of a deep source of gratitude for their support, their encouragement, and their togetherness. And there's incredible mutual respect, love, and care. They're like soldiers that have fought in the trenches in the foxholes next to each other. And when others don't understand, when others don't compare, like you can't know what we've been through, this church in Philippi has suffered greatly for the gospel. They've encountered incredible opposition and incredible suffering. And so has Paul. And so they've bared the burden of following Jesus together and they've shared in the advancement of the gospel. And they're still together more than a decade later. And unfortunately, we don't see that much today. Right? Long-term trust, love, and care in relationships, especially in the church and the broader body of Christ, is something that's very rare today. And that's what we're going to be speaking into. We're going to be speaking into this relationship that Paul and the Philippians had and how we are to to function in our relationships, in our church, and in in the broader body of Christ. And Paul, what he says here, he says, "It's, it's right for me to feel this way about you because of what you've done, because you've been by my side. I'm not crazy. I'm not blowing smoke. Smoke, excuse me. I love you. I'm thankful for you. You're in my heart. And our text starts out today, and it says that whether I've been in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, in other words, Paul's saying, even if I'm a prisoner or if I've been freed, in the good, the bad, the ugly, you've been there for me. My circumstances, the distance, what I've been through, what I am in, has not changed our relationship. It hasn't changed your love for me or your support for me. And what Paul goes on to say, he says that you have shared God's grace with me. I love you. I'll never forget what you've done for me. And we've shared God's grace together. See, he understood it. They understood it, that all that's happened is by grace and done for grace. If there's anything we know about Paul, Paul is a guy that understands the grace of God. Paul would be the first one to tell you, he does tell us, that he was the chief of sinners. He was the worst human. He persecuted the church. We saw that the first week. He was the worst of us. And God's grace, God's undeserved gift upon his life rescued him and saved him. And Paul has never forgotten that. If there's one thing, I mean, Paul's good at a lot of things. But if there's one thing is Paul is reminded daily of the grace of God. That nothing that he's done, nothing that he's doing is anything out of his own strength. It's all by God's grace and his power. And I'll be honest, we would be in such a better spot if we did that. If we just were to stop and reflect and remember what God has saved us from and saved us out of. 
I often say, like, you got to preach the gospel to yourself daily, and you need to be reminded of your testimony daily. Like, what has God done? How far have you come? What did he free you from? Where would you have been if it wasn't for Christ? This is what Paul continues to do. He continues to remind them of, we've shared in God's grace together. Don't forget that. We've all shared in God's grace all that we've been through, the suffering, the praise reports, the prayer requests, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all been by God's grace. And he says, God can testify how I long to be with you. Meaning like, man, I I just so care. You guys have been there so much. If there's anything we can learn from this is this strong example of how the body of Christ is to function. It's not unique that we're in the book of Philippians. It's not by coincidence. And it's not by coincidence that Paul is making such a big deal about how the church is ought to function. And especially because Reality Honolulu, we are a new community. We are a new church plant. We're a year old. We're babies still. This is all new and all these relationships are new. And what God wants to do, there's so much more to come. He's just started. And so what we need to do is to look at this, and there's three things we need to get out of it. There's three things we need to strive for and pray into our church. Number one is that we need to be unified. Like we have to have unity in this community. Number two is that we need to be committed to each other in this community. If you're in this community, we got to be committed to it. And number three is that we need grace to do it. We can't just try harder and be nicer on our own. We need the grace of God in order to be unified and to be committed. So what I mean by unity is what what I want to do is I want to actually first speak to Reality Honolulu's and every Christian's relationship to the broader body of Christ. As Christians... And as reality, Honolulu, we need to strive. We have to strive for this to be our goal. Like we have to to want this. And we need to try for it, to be unified with the broader body of Christ. And as a church, we have to endeavor to forgive where we came from and work through our differences. We have to. We, we have to want it and we have to strive for it and not just talk about it. This is great. This is awesome what God's doing. It's just a piece of his body. This is one local expression of, of the broader body of Christ that he cares and loves just as deeply for. And we have to strive to be unified with the broader body of Christ. And yes, I'm talking about people in churches with different theology and different liturgy and different emphases. You know, and like uh, churches that are hip and not hip and are like really Pentecostal and really not and like kind of preach the Bible and kind of don't. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like the, the reason why you're in this room is because you probably came from somewhere else. So, so listen up. Churches on this island have become somewhat like neighborhoods here or high schools here. I'm not from here. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) 
But one of the first things I picked up on when I moved here was when I, I saw, you know, people interact, locals interact, was people ask, where did you go to high school? That was like one of the first questions asked. I'm like, why does that matter? But there's, I've learned there's so much attached to the high school you went to. There's so much attached. They know pretty much like you say one thing, you're like, I know everything about you. You're like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Well, you went there. So I know how much, how much you have, how much money you have, what your family's like, what you had to go through. I know everything. It's kind of a thing here. It totally is. Same thing like, neighborhood, where are you from? Like, oh, okay. Like it's all perception. It's gone. Good, bad, or the ugly, you're gone. Same thing with, with I mean, it's not only here, but, but, it, but it is a thing here. If I say a church's name, you're like, automatically, a couple words come to mind. Automatically, that church is known for this. Whether it's true or not, you got it. Here's the deal. The kingdom of God is so much more than reality. New Hope, Hope Chapel, Calvary, name it. A lot of churches here. The kingdom of God is way bigger and we get so caught up with the, the this and what that is and the connotation and the perception. All of a sudden, we just take this beautiful kingdom and we just chop it up. And we just chop it up. God is so much bigger than labels and divisions that we create. And we have to be a church. We have to. We have to be a church that navigates unity amongst differences. That doesn't mean that we always have to do everything with everybody else. We're not going to. That's not going to happen. But we need to be really careful and really mindful, talking to myself too, of how we talk, how we act, how we think of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Unity amongst this, especially, I don't have any, but you guys do, I know, history and baggage with other churches. I get that. I don't have any. I'm stoked. I will. It'll come. It'll come. I'm not preaching that. No, no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It won't come. Yeah, yeah, it won't come, right? We're going to try to change that, Sam. <clears throat> but to navigate unity amongst your history and amongst your baggage and amongst your hurt is so complicated, messy, and it's really hard. I'm not downplaying that one bit. So for you guys, I'm going to say you guys for a second because it's not me yet. Well, I don't think so. Mo <laughs> I don't have anything yet. Most of you have come from another church. Some of you weren't church, out of church. Awesome. Glad you're here. But I've heard a lot of your stories, and I've asked some of you, if not all of you personally, what I'll ask everyone right now. When you left that church, or, or now being here, now that you're not there, is there anything that you need to do, or is there any person you need to meet with, so that you can leave well, to promote unity, and to promote oneness with the kingdom of God? Do you need to do that? And so if you haven't done that, my question is, do you need to go back and do that? And I'm, I'm being really honest with that. This is why. The Bible says, Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. No, read what it says, though. As far as it depends on you, on your end, 
that you would live at peace with everyone. And don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. I am so glad you're here. I take you as a gift. But I'm also a kingdom guy, and I'm not a sheep thief. Uh, Bible talks about like believers as sheep, and so as shepherds, you have this joke like, you start a new church, you're gonna steal sheep from other churches. It's like a thing. And and I'm not that, absolutely not. And so I've actually like gone to some of your pastors. And just to have been like, hey, like, are you good? Are we good? I got people from your church coming. Do you want any of them back? For one, what'd you give me? Why are they here? Not to, not to gossip, not to gossip, but to shepherd you well, to shepherd them well, so that we can try to be unified. Amen. Amen. So the question is, like you, and this is, this, is, this, is, this is true the rest of your life in church. If you change churches, did you leave well? On your end, as far as it depends upon you. And trust me, like I've heard every bad story under the sun of what a church or a pastor has done to people. It's horrible. And I'm sorry about that. And I understand that sometimes there's not a chance or you can't or you can't reconcile or you tried or it's just too damaging or too whatever. And I get that. But I just want to sit for a second. And even though it's not fun and you don't want to, I want to, like, I want to challenge us as a church to start well. Like start this well. Starting well means leaving well. So don't just jump in before things are unsettled. Because let's be honest, like, I'm new here, but it's just, it's not hard to figure out this is a small island and a small community. And the Christian community is about, like, feels like 10 people. If, if already Hawaii has, like, one degree of separation, Christianity has no separation. Like, everybody knows everything about everybody. It's just, I'm singing to the choir. You guys know that. But God's heart, God's heart in all of that is for us to remember our partnership with these other churches, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're yoked together. Christ is our common ground. Yeah, there's a lot of differences. I get that. But Christ is our common ground. And and there may be real drama and real differences, but God's heart, and it will always be God's heart, is unity when it comes to his kids. The last thing God wants are his kids to be disunified. There's enough against Christians. There's enough against the church. It's called the devil. It's called the flesh. It's called the snares of the world. There's enough against us. We need, as the church, to strive for unity. Psalm 133.1, you guys know this. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And so let's take Paul's unity with the Philippians as an example. And reality, Honolulu, let's endeavor to be unified with the broader body of Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you need some counseling later how to do that, happy to talk to you. Oh, boy. Just spilled my water. No problem. <laughs> All good. Number two, unity. Number two is commitment. So now I'm going to, I want to speak to us that call this home. 
We just talked about the broader body of Christ, and I want to speak to just those of you in this room that are like, this is my church. It's my home church. It's where I go. I'm committed here. I'm going to speak to us that, that, that call this home, call Reality Honolulu your church amongst these relationships, like that you've just met, that you just did the meet and greet time, that you have in your Ohana groups, that you serve together, whatever it is. These relationships, these new relationships we all have, we need to be committed to these relationships as long as God is calling this home for you. If God's calling you to go somewhere else, cool, just leave well. Thank you. God bless you. So as long as this is our church, we need to be committed to our church. If God's calling you elsewhere, what do you do? Just leave well and go. Do you know what I mean? Like, I hope you don't go, but if God's calling you to go, then go. I want you to go where God calls you to. But now it's the honeymoon stage. Like we're a church plan. Everything's new and fresh and exciting and it's different and everything's new. It's like the honeymoon stage of your, of your marriage. Like this is awesome. There's not a whole lot of drama. Well, there's a little bit, but not too much. But you know how it goes. Like as time goes on, drama will happen. If it hasn't already, it will. And if you didn't know this, like the devil's greatest tactic is to turn the church on each other. If he can do that, he can wreck what God's doing and he can make us all ineffective in the world. It's actually his best plan. His best plan is to cause disunity in the church. It's the most effective strategy for the devil against God's kingdom. And so for one, you just need to know that. Like, when drama happens between you and someone else in your church, leadership, whatever it is, just know, okay, be careful. Regardless if it's like 100% real, just be careful. The devil loves this. Like, just be careful. That's what we need to know. Drama will happen. And there may have already been times, and there will be times when you get excluded. You get hurt. Someone doesn't say hi to you. Someone didn't call you back. Someone shot you down. Like, this, is, this community is a normal life community, and in normal life, this happens. Amongst any human relationships, you're going to get bummed out or hurt by someone. And a lot of times, this is actually might be me. You may be hurt by me. No, seriously. Like, this is, mark my words. I will, maybe, hopefully not, but be the source of your strife. And you might be thinking, no, Riz, you're so nice. You're so nice. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but I'm human. I'm not God. I'm not perfect. I'm human. I have flaws. Number one. And I don't mean to, but it's bound to happen. And what the devil loves to do is he wants me and you to not be good. The pastor, leadership, whatever. That is the story, unfortunately, of much of the world and much the way the church goes. And we have to be careful of that. We, all of us, have to be committed to each other through that. Like through the thick and thin, the good, the bad, the exciting, the maintaining, when the honeymoon wears off, so to speak. We have to be committed to each other. And if this is your church, you can think of it as this is your family. 
This is your family. And so, like, with, with family, like, you should, you do, you, you stick through things. You're there. You, you navigate the hard stuff. Until God calls you out, be in. That's, that's the point here. Like, we're Ohana. And we have to be committed to working things out. Like, we've got we've to be into working, doing the hard work of, like, maintaining and keeping healthy relationships. We, we have to. That, that will be the breakdown of this church. Absolutely. There might be other things, but hope not. But that, that, that's number one that we need to be careful of and mindful of and prayerful of is that we are committed to one another. And what that looks like is like to prefer one another above ourselves, to think the best of one another, to be, the, be quick to forgive, quick to extend grace, and the list goes on. Because here's the truth. If you haven't already picked up on this, no church is perfect. Ah, oh, you, are you serious? Yes, that's so true. Our church is not perfect. Every church in this city on this island is not perfect, this side of heaven. And so be careful to be someone that just jumps church to church because you're never going to find everything you want. Be called, pick one, and be committed and so I want to challenge us to like grow together and be humbled together and forgive each other and heal together. And I want to strive that we just don't jump ship or run away or, or bury our problems or bury our junk towards each other, but we just like grow in healthy relationships with one another. Amen? We all need each other to be committed. Like we, we all need each other to be committed to this family. And we need grace to do it. Like, we need grace to do it. We cannot be unified with the broader body of Christ. We can't be committed to one another unless God is the one that does it on our behalf. Like, this, this, right, this whole thing is God's, and because of God, we can't do it on our own strength. Like, we need God's strength and his power and his might to be unified and to be committed Right? We're, we by nature are flaky and we like to run and we like to bury and there's a problem, we avoid it. A drama, I'm going to run the other way. I mean, all of what I just said by nature, we don't want to do. But God's like, I want to take you through that. I want to do that. I'm with you. And so we need him. And this is no small task. Like this is no small task what we see in the text today. Because you guys know the reality of it. Church after church, pastor after ch pastor, community after community has been ruined by lack of unity, lack of commitment, and lack of grace. That's the story. You ask any church, like a church split or a failure or anything, you ask any bad story of any church, and you'll find, oh, it's because we weren't extending grace. We weren't committed to each other. We weren't unified. We weren't willing to forgive. We weren't willing to work through it. That's the story that you get. And if there's anything I want to do is I don't want to be a part of that story. I don't want Reality Honolulu to be a part of that story. We're going to have issues. We're going to have problems. We're going to have drama. But that doesn't mean that it has to stop there. We have to live and we have to part and we have to divide over it. Because remember whose church it is. It's God's church. And he said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. Our role in it is to be submitted and committed to Christ being willing to be unified, committed, and receive his grace. 
And Paul, man, I mean, we've talked about this, but he knows the realities of church and of drama, of the pitfalls and the dangers and the divisions that have happened. And he, what he's saying here in his prayer to them, in his, so what happens is in our text today, he says these things. We have this amazing relationship. It's awesome. You guys are amazing. And he says, I pray this for you, though. And the reason why he prays this, and I'm going to end here. It's not going to be too long is that he's had such a beautiful and wonderful decade of relationship with them, and he knows why. And he knows that in order for them to continue on in the same way in their relationship with one another, that they have to be united and committed and full of grace. And so he prays this for them. He says, I want your love, your love to abound. Like this is, this is what he wants for them. This is what he's asking God for. He says, I pray that your love may abound in your church and in your relationships so that you would have knowledge and you would have depths of insight so that, I'm paraphrasing your text this morning, so that you can discern what is best so that you guys can live in a pure and blameless life with one another so that you will live a righteous and a fruitful life. This is what Paul wants, and this is what Paul is praying. I want love, I pray that love would abound in your midst, that you would have wisdom and knowledge of how to live and appear in a blameless life, that your life would bear fruit and it would be righteous, meaning like your lives would become more like Jesus's. And then he says, all of this though comes by being strengthened by God. He says, the only way you're going to do this is if you're strengthened by God. So I'm praying that you're strengthened by God. And then he says, this is the reason why we do it. The reason why you're unified and committed and full of grace is so that God can get the glory and that he can be praised. Paul understood that as the church, we're the bride of Christ. And what we do here is supposed to mirror, is supposed to witness to the world God's relationship to us. The greatest witness that the church can have is its community, is the way in which we forgive each other and love each other and meet needs. And it will show the world better than anything that comes out of your mouth, God's love for the world. And reality we need to pray this for us. Not only a reality, the church, every church, the body of Christ needs to pray this, that we would let love abound in our church. Paul, I'll end with this, also wrote a letter to the church in Rome where he is right now. And he has an exhortation on how they're supposed to live. Romans chapter 12, Paul writes this. It's very similar to what he's praying for the Philippians. He's telling the church in Rome. He's telling us as Christians how we ought to love and treat one another. He says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. 
practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And the verse we read previously, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Reality, let us strive for this. Let us pray this in right now. And let us be challenged to be united, committed, and full of God's grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. And God, we thank you for your church. God, we thank you that this is yours, that you are the chief shepherd, that we are your sheep. And God, we're the first ones to admit that we make, we make a mess out of your church, and we're sorry. But God, we, we want to start afresh. We want to commit and submit this community to you, this local expression as reality Honolulu. We want this to be your church for your glory and your good. And so, God, would you help us? There's no way that we can overcome this stuff without you. There is no way, God, that we can work through hard, hard relationships without you. God, I pray that love would abound in our church. I pray that you would fill us with wisdom and insight of how we ought to live and how we ought to live with one another. God, I pray that each of us would continue to become more like Jesus and so that in community, we're treating each other more like you would treat us. And God, we pray that we do all this by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that dwells in us, that you would help us to do these things because we want all of what we do even our interpersonal relationships to give you glory. And so God, we need grace for this. It's all by grace. And so God, would you do that now? We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.